like I said, we'll continue our look at love and having a heart for the Lord. And I said earlier, it says, out of the overflow of our heart comes our mouth, right? Have you ever said something you didn't want to say? You're like, oh my goodness. And sometimes you're even surprised at the own words that come out of your mouth. I will say this because I'm speaking to myself. So I, I don't apologize though. I was going to, but I say I don't. I don't apologize if it steps on your toes because if it steps on your toes, then maybe it's the Lord convicting you that you need to look aside your heart a little closer. But if you've ever been surprised at the words coming out of your mouth or the frequency that some words come out of your mouth, especially when you're under stress, because that's when we discovered that we know words we didn't know we knew. Then we may need to take some time and evaluate what's really going on. Now, we live in a world that, let's be honest, is obsessed with physical appearance, right? I don't know how many commercials I can watch about gym membership. And sit there and go, hmm, probably should not be eating this bag of potato chips right now. Put it down and exercise. I look at my exercise equipment that's sitting across the room while I eat my bag of potato chips and watch this exercise commercial and think to myself, ah. but then I also say, oh, there's always tomorrow, right? But the thing is, is we look at people and if they physically look like they have it all together, we think that means that they what? Have it all together. <laughs> Let you in on a little secret. You can sometimes judge how poorly I am feeling by the amount of makeup I'm wearing. The more I put on, the more I'm trying to hide. It means I feel really ill, but I'm trying not to let people know, and so I'm trying to cover how bad I feel. Right? You ever heard that? Put some makeup on and you'll feel better? Ladies, you ever been there? You know, you, you had a poor night's sleep. What's the first thing you try to conceal? The bags under your eyes because you don't want people to know that you were what? Up all night, right? You don't want people to know that you were sleep deprived, that you missed sleep, that, you know, you have so many issues that you would have to even pay to check bags with Southwest. You get two free ones with them. That's how I fly. That third one, though, man, you don't want to pay that price. You got to start evaluating. If you have three bags that you got to check, you got to figure out what you're taking. But we hide things, we conceal things, right? Because we judge people off of physical appearances. And sadly, people who don't look like they have it put together, 
we often don't even spend time thinking or considering about. We may, as Christians, have a passing glance and go, oh, those poor people, and pray for whatever is afflicting them, but did we stop and ask? Because the Lord already knows, right? You ever said that? The Lord knows what's going on with them. Well, so would you if you asked. They'd probably tell you. But it's part of the appearance, part of going through the motions. Oh, I prayed for you. What did you pray for? Well, I prayed for you. About what? Just for whatever you're going through. What is it? Reminds me of a story. You know, the time came for Samuel to pick a king. And he was told that Jesse had numerous sons, but one son in particular was going to be the king. The best there was. First Samuel. First Samuel, and we're going to start verse 3. Actually, verse 5. Now, the backstory is as Samuel goes, he was given some instructions by the Lord. And in verse 5, he is performing the purification rites for Jesse and his sons. When Samuel gets there, verse 6, verse 1 Samuel chapter 16, Samuel gets there, and he, you know, he looks at one of the sons. And he says to himself, surely that guy must be the Lord's anointed. Why do you think Samuel thought so? The Bible will give us a little clue, but first, the Lord says to Samuel, chapter uh, verse 7, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his another son, to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. Samuel had kind of learned the lesson at first, and he goes, this isn't the one the Lord has chosen. So Jesse summons his next son. So, and then, 1 Samuel 16, verse says, In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel says, are these all the sons you have? So Samuel comes here. He's told, hey, the Lord said that a son of Jesse's shall be king. We have mourned over the loss of our king long enough. It is time to appoint a new one. 
And then Samuel proceeds to go through seven of Jesse's sons. To the point where he goes, do you got anyone left? Kind of reminds me of the Cinderella story, right? Where the last house they go to is Cinderella's house, right? And they're trying on that glass slipper. And the stepsisters can't get their feet to fit. Even the mother tries it, but it doesn't fit. And the, they go, surely, is there anybody else in the house who may fit this slipper, right? Cinderella comes around and it works, right? He's saying, don't you have any more sons? Jesse says, there is still the youngest, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. Now, it does say that David was very attractive. But, in a later, do you want them to be attractive, or do you prefer for them to be strong and brave? Especially considering that back then, they were looking for warrior kings. You don't want the pretty boy, do you? You want the guy who looks like he can take care of himself, right? The guy who oozes leadership. And so this guy comes up, David, youngest son, kind of cute, attractive. He's young enough that it wouldn't be handsome, he'd be cute. I mean, he's literally out there tending the sheep and goats. I mean, if he had leadership qualities, wouldn't he be doing something else? I mean, he had eight sons. But the Lord says, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Now, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. You didn't need a leader who looked like he could handle himself. Because if he looked like he could handle himself, he would think he could do things himself. And if he thought he could do things himself, he would rely less on others, especially God. But it would take somebody who knew that what they needed was to rely upon the Lord to do the will that God has called them that could truly lead the people. I mean, David would be the one who would take three stones and kill who? A giant, right? Because he believed that God was with him. He did not think, I'm so big, I'm so bad, this giant doesn't stand a chance. What he said is, <laughs> we teach the kids a little song, my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. He believed it. He believed it to the point he took a slingshot, three stones, and went and faced down a giant. How many of us 
if questioned about our faith, would do that. Steadily go, yep, God's got this. You know, this little stone's going to be like shooting him with an AK-47. It doesn't matter if all I got is a slingshot and I'm not really even a good aim. God's got this, right? David's heart was in the right place. He may have been a skinny little sheep herder, but he was the one that God had picked. And God had told Samuel, I don't look at what the world looks like. I can tell what's on the inside, and it's what it's in there that matters. And so if we have a heart for God, how easy is it to be able to stand firm in faith? But there's some things we need to know. There's some things that we need to be warned of. There are things that can destroy our heart. People who look super healthy can often be waylaid by surprise massive heart attacks. They can often have horrible cholesterol levels, right? They look like they have it all together. They act like they have it all together. They even exercise all the time. But then a test reveals that everything is not as it seems, right? And our physical heart can do that. So can our spiritual heart. You know, our heart's enclosed in our ribs to protect it. It's hard, right? So that just bumping doesn't injure it. But our spiritual heart is susceptible to all kinds of harmful dangers. Proverbs 4.23 warns us to guard our hearts above all else, for it is the source of life. But there are things that can get in the way. We talked about Samuel not choosing a king who looked like he could handle himself. Because why? If he thought he did it on his own, he would learn less to rely on God. Success is something that can override a heart for the Lord. Because when we allow success to become ego, then we have a problem. I seen this video a few years ago that was talking about an egocentric Christian life. And it took some songs that are about praising and glorifying the Lord. And instead of saying it's all about you, Jesus, was saying it's all about me. How great am I? Right? And sometimes when things get done and we feel extremely happy of what we've been able to accomplish, 
we can give credit where credit's due. We just need to be careful <laughs> to remember that all credit, even the very opportunity itself, comes from the Lord. Selfishness. Interestingly enough, having a selfish heart can cause it to shrink down so that there's only room for three people in it. Me, myself, and I. That's right. If your heart shrinks down that small, you've got a problem. And it's only a matter of time before your heart is literally spiritually dead. Now, just like people who don't exercise and do cardio can run into health concerns, sloth, inactivity, laziness, and lack of service can dry up our heart. Oftentimes, it's because we have been called to service. And we know where in particular he is even calling us. And we still do not do it. We sit on the sidelines. And the thing is, is it's not God who's benched us, it's us. We've benched ourselves and we don't know how to get off. Our heart is made to love others and to function for others. Because if we are created in God's image and he is love and he loves others, so much that he sent Jesus to die for their sins, then are we not created to love others before our very own lives? We are called to be of service. Sin, especially sin that we don't repent from can harden our hearts. Cause it to harden. When the Israelites were fleeing Egypt, that would happen. Pharaoh would wise up, his heart would soften, and he'd let them go, and then he changed his mind, and his heart would harden. He had things that he wasn't dealing with. Stress. How many of us have ever been stressed? How many of us are stressed right now? How many of us know that before the end of the day, we will be stressed again? Stress can lead to anxiety. And when we are stressed, sometimes we forget that God is in control. And when we're stressed, sometimes we think we have to do it all ourselves. David knew he didn't have to do it by himself, right? First Samuel said, then he, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, right? We have that same option. If you're called to service and you're not feeling good and you got to get it done anyway, what do you do? You pray for strength. 
If you're called to speak to somebody and you don't know the words, what do you do? You ask for the Lord to give you the words. But stress can lead us to forget that we don't have to do it all on our own. But there's hope. We can develop a heart for God. A key to developing a heart for God is humility. When we're humble, we realize we can't do it by ourselves. When we're humble, we're not selfish because we know that others are more important than ourselves. We teach the kids another little song, J-O-Y, J-O-Y. That must surely mean Jesus first, yourselves last, and others in between. First Samuel 18:14 tells us that David continued to be successful in all of his activities because the Lord was with him. It was very careful to give credit where credit was due and who was the credit due to? God. David was so successful that people would sing songs about him. We learn from David that one can be successful and still have a heart for God. Second Samuel twenty two twenty eight says, You rescue and afflicted people, but your eyes are set against the proud. You humble them. What do we tell people? Pride cometh before the fall, right? We are to be humble. In our humility, we learn to rely on God. In order to have a heart after God, we must also have the mind of a shepherd. Why do you think David was chosen? When all of his seven other brothers were being expected, what was he doing, literally? Shepherding his father's flock. Jesus himself called himself what? The good shepherd. Psalms 23. We are shepherded, right? Psalms 34.3 says, Proclaim with me the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. Let us be a shepherd, mindful of, of our flock and in humility recognizing who all credit is due. Be available in service. We talked about this earlier as a prayer concern, remember? There are opportunities in which you can serve. I am a firm believer if you have ever uttered the words, somebody should do something about that, guess what? That's the Lord speaking to you. Guess what else? You're somebody. You know what I'm saying? If you're feeling led that there is an issue that needs to be addressed, <laughs> the Lord is leading you to volunteer to help address it. 
not to sit around and lament about the fact that no one else has addressed it yet. Because you may be the only one who noticed it. Or maybe the Lord is calling you to use gifts he has given you to help with it. Let us not sit around thinking, oh, this needs to be done. That needs to be done. Somebody should. Someone should. Because if it's being brought to your attention and not to someone else's, the Lord may be leading you to be the one to help. Let us be in service to one another and to each other. Be repentant of our sins. If we don't repent and ask for forgiveness, they can blacken and harden our hearts. And finally, let us trust in the Savior. When we're stressed, we talked about the fact that sometimes we react, right? Instead of thinking about it, we react. We don't take action but we have a reaction. Action generally means thought. We stop, we process, we determine the best plan, and then we proceed. Reaction sometimes does not involve thought. And sometimes it's not the best decision. It's not the best method, and it's not the best way. Out of the overflow of our hearts. What is in our hearts, though? In order for us to truly be united with one another, to love one another as God has loved us, to be one in the body of Christ, in unity and love, we need to have a heart for God. We need to have God's heart. Because without it, we'll be doing it on our own. And when we do it on our own, we are only going to fail eventually. We may be able to get by for a little bit. And we may even think that success proves that we are following God's will. But if we fail to give credit where credit is due, and if we fail to recognize that God is the one who is providing and guiding, then surely, slowly though it may be, our hearts will no longer be a heart for the Lord, but a heart full of ourselves. And we don't want that, do we? We don't want our hearts to shrink so that there's only room for me, myself, and I. We want a heart that can do and fulfill all that God has planned. All that he's called us for. And so there may be things in our lives that we have to surrender leave behind, or move beyond. 
But if that's the case, let us do so. We're going to play a song, and as it plays, think of the words. It says, my heart and my soul, I give you control. Consume me from the inside out. as it plays. Just take this time in silence to listen to the words. To think on them. I wish I went on this face, never ever. 
humble servants and shepherds who walk in your ways and follow you. Be with us this day. Guide us and direct us. Strengthen us. And help us to love one another. We ask these things in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.